Barack Obama. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes, yes. To be the president must be really nice. I mean, he looks really well put together on a screen or when when I see him through the TV or through my phone, blah, blah, blah. But to see him in person, it was almost like he was unreal. Like everything about him was perfect. And I, I think I just stared at him because I was just in awe, like his hair, his teeth, his coat, everything. He looked unreal, but it was great. Yeah, I mean, he has a great personality as well. So he was very welcoming and it was one of those moments where I think a lot of athletes, you know, want and we got that chance and it was great. It was a great moment. Another season in the books, the podcast featuring professional athletes who have taken their careers overseas. We'll hear about their seasons come and gone, the process, their struggles, and what it's been like living and playing overseas. We'll also talk academics and the differences between the European and the American systems. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, 12-year veteran in Europe's professional basketball leagues. Let's get to it. Hey everyone, welcome back. Like every week here on the pod, this week is no different. Another fabulous interview is just seconds away. And I must say that connecting with our guest was a true gift and honor. We've been playing against each other for the past seven seasons, but have never had the pleasure of sharing the same locker room. We guard each other, we respect each other, we have friends in common, but it wasn't until today that we had our very first conversation. And I can honestly say that I now respect Adora Elonu even more than before. She's an NCAA champ, Copa de la Reina champ, league champ, future Olympian, and there's no doubt in my mind I'll be calling her Dr. Elenu at some point in the future. Calm, cool, and collected, on the court and in everyday life, here's my interview with AD. Good morning, Adora Elonu. Um, Thank you for being here with us today. Welcome to the podcast. Um, How are you? I'm good. Good morning. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. You know, it's um, a great excuse to connect with different players in the league because really we've never had a conversation before today. So um, thank you for being open and willing to participate. Um, but first question, just getting right into it. What's your first sports memory as a little kid? Doesn't have to be basketball. Just the first thing that you remember about sports. Tennis. Like practicing tennis with my dad and some of my siblings, like just hitting a tennis ball against a wall, like not even over the net, just against the wall and him, I don't know, drilling us like, you know, you can do it, just hit it. That's the first thing that pops in my head. Okay. So I'm assuming you grew up in a pretty sports, um, like oriented family. I wouldn't say that, but now, yes. Yes. Like my parents did, they weren't super athletic or super invested in sports, but over the years, like once we got into middle school, yes. Okay. And then you talked about your siblings. So I think, are you a child of five? Yes. Five of us. I have two older brothers and two younger sisters. Yes. Okay. Um, And I know at least one of them still plays basketball. I want to say. Yes. My eldest brother, he's also a professional basketball player. Yeah. He's currently in Puerto Rico. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So then you started with tennis and then when did you finally start with basketball? Uh, In middle school. So when the tennis was just us going to the park, having fun, but we had tennis rackets or my father had tennis rackets. So we just like were hitting the ball against the wall. Mm -hmm. Um, But middle school is when I started playing organized sports and started with volleyball, loved volleyball and then basketball and continued to soccer and track. Um, But I just continued further with my career with basketball. Okay. Yeah. I I have to say that I remember playing tennis as a little kid and hitting it against the garage. Um, And I, I don't know, I loved it. And occasionally I would hit it horribly and it would go over the house and I'd have to run around and go get it. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, well, that's yeah. great that you were such a versatile athlete as a child, because I think, I don't know what your opinion is over here in Spain, but it seems like a lot of kids get into a club sport at such a young age and they are only able to dedicate their time to a specific sport. Um, and it sounds like you had a wide range of like cross training and trying different things. And, you know, I think that's yeah. great. Yeah, I think, I mean, maybe it's just how the school system is set up where we can, you know, dabble in different things and it's not, you know, primarily focused on one. Maybe if you enjoy one thing, you can do that in the summer, but mm -hmm. yeah, maybe it was just, you know, the setup of the schools. Um, so do you remember when the recruiting process started for you? Like how old you were and when you started thinking about college basketball? Um, I believe it was when I was a sophomore, junior in high school. Okay. Um, just playing summer basketball. And I, mean, I had to give thanks to my mom because I did not want to play summer basketball, AAU basketball. Like I wanted to stick to volleyball and just have fun. But she was like, no, if you don't play summer basketball, you're not going to play volleyball. So she got me into that. And I think that was when I got my best opportunity at um, college scouts and even thinking about playing basketball in college mm -hmm. because at that time it was just something that I did because it was fun um, I enjoyed it I thought each year I got better but once yeah the college letters started coming in I realized that this was an opportunity that I could continue on mm -hmm. yeah I don't think I realized playing college basketball was an opportunity or a, like a possibility until I started playing AAU and then I realized like wow people yeah. go to college on scholarships like I could do that <laughs> right yeah yeah. yeah. Now how times have changed. I think people are aware of it now, like since middle school or so, right. if not before. So where was your AAU team traveling to that you were getting noticed? Like, were you guys really getting out there? Yeah. So um, I'm from Houston and Houston and Dallas, they get a lot of college. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty huge football state, but uh, for basketball, we had um, a lot of attention there, but we would also travel out of state to Georgia, uh, Minnesota. There were a few trips that we took with major tournaments um, under the sponsorship we were with. So we had a pretty good um, exposure. I wonder if the tournament that you went to in Minnesota was actually at my high school. Um, I'm trying to think what that tournament is called, but my high school, the gym is like five courts. Um, it's the Lindbergh Center. And I bet it I'm assuming that that's probably where you went. It could have been. Crazy. I wish I had a better memory, but the only memory I have was Mall of America. Of course. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I want to say the tournament. That's the best memory I had of Minnesota. Yeah, I think the tournament was is called like the Minnesota Meltdown or something like that. Um, and okay, I I would bet I would bet that it was there, which is crazy for me to think that, that you were like there. Um, but yeah, AAU is a great yeah. opportunity to get to get seen, and um, I don't know during so then during the recruiting process because this podcast is called Another Season in the Books, so it kind of has a double meaning as okay. another season come and gone and then another season studying and playing at the same time. Um, when you were going through that college recruiting process, what was maybe important to you or how did you handle talking with these coaches and kind of deciding at the end of the day where you wanted to go? So it was more of just taking it all in at that point because I really didn't have anything final in my mind. I know I wanted to stay in the, be in the health field. And at that time I was thinking my aspirations were to be a doctor, um, sports medicine. But when I was taking my official visits, it was, I kind of let my parents take more control of the situation. And I was just more focused on the basketball aspect. I knew school was going to be super important. Um, I, um, I asked all the questions that I needed, like, you know, how good is your academic, um, yeah, your academic side of things. But I think my parents took more control of that aspect. Like I really did not understand everything that was happening at that mm -hmm. time. And I remember thinking in college, like, oh, I wonder if 
students and athletes that are coming after me have more guidance? Like, do they know which questions to ask or why they're going to a particular school? And I think maybe yes, but at that time, me, it was just more of a going through the motions and I had my parents to do most of the talking for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I look back at the experience, it's really tough to know what to ask because you've never done it before, especially if you don't have older siblings that have done it. And coaches are really good talkers. So whatever you ask, they're going to have a response and it's going to be what you want to hear. So it is really hard for student athletes. I actually have a, an assistant coach right now that is um, embarking on this project. It's called find my team. And she's helping young female athletes like understand what's important to them and ask those questions, which I think is awesome. Yes, my, my parents too, they kind of led the, the charge or they led the, you know, the quest and they asked the questions that were important to them. But I don't think I asked many questions that were important to me. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I mean, I think that's a great, a great move by your assistant, assistant coach that, you know, like a friend of you. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a great move. And I think, yes, yeah, student athletes really need that guidance and that support. And to know really what they want for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so you're from Houston and you went to Texas A&M. Um, how far yes. is Texas A&M from your hometown? Uh, from Houston to College Station, Brian, is maybe an hour and a half. Okay. If you're driving the right way, mm-hmm. you can make it an hour. But yes, it, it wasn't too far. It was pretty close. Okay. Pretty close. Yeah. Texas girl through and through. Yes, I am. <laughs> I am. Yes. And it, I mean, it was great because I also went to school for a year with my eldest brother. So oh, wow. it was nice. Yeah, it was it ended up being a great decision for me. Uh huh. That's not very common, I would think. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. And I think, yeah, that's what my parents were trying to drill into me because initially I wasn't going to go to A&M, but they were like, you know, your brother's there. It'll be easier for us you like the school. So, you know, why not give it a go? And yeah, they were right. <laughs> they were right. Um, so then when you get to school, what was the transition like adapting to sports and school as far as on the court, off the court, in the classroom? Um, was it a big jump or how did you handle all those changes? I think I handled it pretty well. Um, it was a big difference because you're kind of alone. You have a lot of things to do with your team, but in the end, you're kind of alone. You don't have, um, or as far as for, for me, when I was in high school, I had I relied on my parents a lot to take me to school or to pick me up from practice. So that was the biggest adjustment for me, like getting to and fro different places on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had our schedule so jam-packed that there wasn't too much time to think. So I think that was a, a good a good thing for me as well. And it wasn't hard to adjust and adapt. And I wasn't too far from home. So it was helpful. And I'm thinking because you did track um, and all these other sports, as far as the adjustment to the conditioning workouts, was that like a, a smack in the face for you? Or were you ready for that? I was ready. I think I was too ready, actually. Uh I think it was last, this past summer when I went to go visit um, A&M, one of the conditioning coaches and the assistant coaches said that every time they would look at me, they were like, um, I don't think she's um, like taking the conditioning too serious. I don't think the conditioning is helping her. So maybe we need more. So they would always say, look at my expression like, huh, she doesn't look like she's too you know, tired or too stressed, maybe let's add more to it. And I was like, oh my goodness, if I knew that then, maybe I would have, I don't know, put my hands on my knees or something. (laughs) So I don't know. I think it helped, but it didn't help. That's so interesting because one of my questions that I wanted to ask you was, um, when I think of you as a player, I think of somebody who is so consistent, um, kind of like the silent assassin who's always there, and at the end of the day, you look at the stat sheet and you're like, oh my gosh, she, you know, she got 12, 14 points and this many rebounds and whatever. And it's, it's like this consistency. And then when I think of you, your personality, and I don't even know you, but you are so calm 
and nothing rattles you. It seems like from the outside, it seems like nothing rattles you. And I think about Tim Duncan, you know, just like completely. And I wonder like, where does that come from? I don't know. I think I just had like a, you know, one of those moments where this all came together, but I mean, I have a pretty strong faith. I think that's probably, that would, yeah, that would have to be it. Like if I had to name one thing, that would have to be it. And so I just kind of trust everything, you know, to God, like if I can't control anything, then let me just be, Mm -hmm. you know? And if I think I can do something about it, then I would. But if not, just try not to overreact. Let it all to God and he'll handle it for me, hopefully, you know. But that's biggest, the biggest thing. Yeah, my faith. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, but that's funny that you say that in college, they took that as like, oh, she's not tired. <laughs> she can do more. <laughs> yeah, I was so surprised because... I do remember sometimes where they're like, okay, let's add some more. But this whole time, like, I just didn't know that it was my fault, you know? And I asked them, please don't, you know, reveal that to my other teammates because, oh, goodness gracious. But yeah. as, an, as an athlete, me personally, it's like, you don't want to show your pain. You don't want to show, you know, that you're tired. You don't want your right. competitors, you don't want your competition to know like what you're feeling or if you're down or whatever, or yeah. you want your coaches to trust you. You want your teammates to look at you and look at you with confidence because you want to show them that you're confident, even if you're really not, you know, fake it till you make it. Yeah, is it fake it till you make it. Exactly. I, my yeah. best advice, which is also kind of hard also to, to practice, but right. yeah, fake it till you make it. That is very true. And I, yes, I have to hold on to that sometimes in the game, but. Well, you do a great job. They, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. But for the, the college athletes out there, the coaches, they do try to trick you because they tell you, you know, no hands on your knees, be strong, be mentally tough. But then when you are, they try to use it against you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so then what about in the classroom? you're going to college classes, you're doing, you know, multiple workouts a day. Was that adjustment uh, difficult at all? Um, How did you organize your time? Oh, so A&M, they had a great program for the incoming freshmen. So during the summer, we had a CHAMPS course, which it was dedicated to time management. And I think that was the first course we all had to take. So they basically drilled in us the importance of time management what you have to look forward to and how you'll be able to basically survive, you know, with all your courses. Um, And I think the way our schedule was set up with practice, we had all our classes um, earlier in the day and then we had practice. um, We had a little bit of free time and then we had study hall. So everything was set up in a way that I think it was seamless for me. Um, There wasn't any moment where I was like, okay, I have class after practice. I mean, after my initial degree, for the masters, it was different, but for the bachelors, the way it was set up, I think it worked out great. Were you able to get your bachelors and then your masters in four years? Yes, yes, I was. I was. Wow. Yeah, I took advantage of the summer courses. Okay, and so your bachelors was out. in allied health. Allied health, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. and then you went on to get a master's in in health education. Okay. Bravo. That's impressive. Four years, masters and bachelors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then I also think about, um, you know, now that we've been playing in Europe and just, I have teammates who are studying right now. And if they have a test the same day that we're traveling, they either have to take it on the road or their teacher doesn't even let them make it up and they have to take it at another time. Um, When you were in college, do you remember like studying on the plane, on the bus or taking exams at hotels, things like that? Yes, all of the above, yeah, on the plane. And actually, like I'm still, I'm completing a master's now. And for me, the plane is one of the best places to study for me. Hmm. Like it's, I don't know what it is. I'm able to block out so many things and get a lot of work and studying done. But in college, yes, on the plane, at the hotel, in the room, or they'll designate um, study hours for us. So mm-hmm. in the in the dining hall, like everywhere, everywhere you can imagine, yes, and taking exams. But I've been fortunate in my life to have really, really helpful professors. Mm-hmm. So they were very flexible. And our coach, 
Gary Blair, he's um, very high on networking and being open and upfront with your professors. So he would always tell us to talk to our professors before the semester started to let them know that we're student athletes and here's our schedule. Maybe something will conflict if you'll be willing to adjust some things for us. Um, here's a heads up. So we were always kind of prepared in that aspect. Right. Um, and I love that you just said that you're still studying because obviously another season in books. This is perfect. Yeah. Um, what's, what's your master's that you're getting now? Healthcare administration. Okay. Yeah. So when your playing career is over someday, you see yourself working obviously in the healthcare field, or do you plan on going to medical school or what's the, what's the plan? So, uh, medical school? No, I passed that on to my sister. Um, <laughs> but I see myself more in a administrative, um, role. Okay. And, um, yeah, so all of my degrees will kind of merge and help me towards that. So now what I need to focus on is if I'll be more towards senior and assisted living or preteen and mental health. So that's really where I need to figure out basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you said all of your degrees. So you have a bachelor's, oh, you yeah, have a master's, you're working towards a second master's. Is there something else yeah. in there that I'm missing? Well, I find myself just really loving school and studying. So it will be the next step would be doctorates if possible with, okay. with the um, administrative degree. Your PhD. Yeah. The PhD. Okay. Bravo. I'm impressed. And, and <laughs> right now, right now, this is all via online. I'm assuming. Yes. This one is online, all online. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so it's possible. It's possible to balance being a professional athlete and continuing getting degrees and studying. Um, how do you manage it now? Because I'm sure you have practice twice a day sometimes and you're not 18 years old anymore, even though you still look great and you're still young. Um, <laughs> but it, it is difficult because now you're doing your own cooking, probably your own grocery shopping. I mean, you do the laundry, you have these other things during your day that you didn't necessarily have to do in college. So how yeah. do you, how do you manage to get everything done now? Travel days, travel days. Those, those are days where I'm most focused. Um, at home, I don't get as many hours as I want for many reasons. I'm not exactly sure why, but when we're traveling, I get the most time to, to study and focus on myself. But also we have other people here that um, are in school on my team that mm -hmm. are in school. So we kind of try to do certain things where we're in one area, super focused, and we can like kind of bounce off that motivation on each other. Mm -hmm. um, and just having other people in my class that I know are working full-time jobs with children and are doing the same thing I am. When I'm introduced to them, I think to myself, um, wow, like how do they do it? You know, I, I really can't understand how they do it because I'm looking at my parents and I'm trying to see if they were to take a class, they don't have any free time. Right. And I actually have some free time, you know, in between studying i mean in between practice so i have to just take advantage of that and then i always think about the ones who are working with children and still completing a degree right studying maybe once their kids go to bed you know right. and yeah, that's when they probably really want to go to bed too <laughs> yeah exactly exactly no yeah. they i so i don't know they give me a lot of a lot of strength and motivation without hmm. even knowing well, and speaking of travel days, you just got back from Encino like a day ago. And that trip, how many hours via bus was it one way? Well, going there, we took um, a train. Oh. Which was still, it was very long, actually. It was like 10 hours. 10 hours plus two to drive. So it was a long trip there. And then um, coming back, we took a, a flight. So it wasn't too bad. Um, it just seems long because you have to drive two hours to the next city to get on the flight. And then we have an hour and a half from Barcelona to Girona. Mm -hmm. so, so when you're on the train and you're studying, do you have your headphones on? Um, or what, what do you do to kind of block out the noise? Or I mix it up. Sometimes I like to hear the noise around me. And then sometimes, yes, I like to listen to music. 
And for some reason, sometimes I like to watch either a movie or a show while I'm studying. Okay. So I, I mix it up. I mix it up always. Wow. That's a talent because I feel <laughs> like some people need absolute silence, you know, yeah. and some mm-hmm. people can watch a movie and study at the same time. Um, yeah. Which I think How is- How do you normally, like if you have to do something, it's like absolute silence or- I usually need silence. Otherwise okay. I find myself getting distracted with the conversation or, you know, I like, it's hard not to listen to what they're saying. If they were speaking like, I don't know, Serbian and I couldn't understand them, then great. Mm-hmm. But if it's English or Spanish, it's hard for me to then concentrate on what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so you get through your four years, uh, your senior year, which I learned this the other day when I was looking at online, what happened your senior year of college? It was a pretty great year. Ended. It, the end of... Or my junior year, the national championship. Oh, was that your junior year? Yeah, my junior year of college. Okay. Yeah, it it was it was a remarkable year. And it's like we knew it was gonna happen. So during the team meeting or yeah, the team meeting before season starts, we we have like goals that we have to achieve. And I just remember we were pretty straightforward of about our goals and our objectives. And it's like, we knew the kind of team we had, the potential we had, what we could do. And we checked off all the boxes. I mean, during the whole season, we were pretty optimistic and pretty confident of, you know, getting to the final four in the championship. And after we we won it, I just remember going back like, wow, we really, spoke this into existence. Like we really knew that this was going to happen and it just made it that much better, that much better. Mm-hmm. And it was against Notre Dame. Yes. And I want to say 70, 76, I think. Yes, that is the score. Yes, it should be. Yeah. 70, 76, yes. Mm-hmm. It, uh, like a classic. We just had our 10 year reunion of the, or anniversary. I missed it, but um, we had the 10 year anniversary of the championship. And I don't know, just thinking about it, it was great because getting there, we, we, we shared the conference with Baylor. So Brittany Griner, Odyssey Sims, and we, we played them, I think three times. Yes. So we had them two times in conference and then once more in the conference tournament. So I think that year we lost to them all three times. Oh, really? Or maybe it was four. I don't know why I keep thinking it was four. But yeah, we lost them all three times. Great games. I mean, they were really good games. So we met them again in the quarterfinals in the NCAA tournament. And I guess, you know, the most important game, we got that one to advance to the Elite Eight or to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. And that was a big deal for us. It was a big deal for us. Wow. So it just made every, every that year was just yeah, spectacular. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I just really, I can't. <laughs> um, it, was, it was great. Yeah. And thanks to that day, you were then able to go on, I don't know how many weeks passed, but you got to meet somebody pretty famous. Barack Obama. Yes. Oh my. Yes. Yes. <laughs> to be the president must be really nice. I mean, he looks really well put together on a screen or when, when I see him through the TV or through my phone, blah, blah, blah. But to see him in person, it was almost like he was unreal. Like everything about him was perfect. And I, I think I just stared at him because I was just in awe, like his hair, his teeth, his coat, everything. He looked unreal, but it was great. Yeah. I mean, he has a great personality as well. So he was very welcoming. And it was one of those moments where I think a lot of athletes, you know, want, and we got that chance and it was great. It was a great moment. Yeah. I did watch the YouTube video last night. Yeah. And I saw the YouTube his, video? well, I saw his speech when you guys were all dressed oh, up standing behind him. Nice. And I'm like looking for you and I'm like, where is she? And I'm like, she's standing right behind him. <laughs> yes. I know. Actually, my parents were not happy that I was in that spot. Because <laughs> yeah. in the photos, I was just blocked. I, know. I was like, oh, dang it. But he did such a great job giving his speech. I mean, I don't know if he wrote it or if somebody else writes it for him, but he spoke so well. 
and he knew about the history he had like some funny stories to tell yes um and it was just in his his body language everything I mean I I just sat there thinking wow like adora adora see I'm saying it wrong adora adora yes that's right yeah she had the opportunity to be at the White House and like be in the presence of Barack Obama and he's like speaking to her team, congratulating them. And I was just like, wow, that's, yeah. that's a once in a lifetime experience. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, he did do a good job with the speech that I'm thinking back and I, I'm going to go find that on YouTube. Yeah. 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 I'm surprised you recognized me. Like none of my teammates recognized me when I show them my college photos. Hmm. You had braces. Like, Who is that person? <laughs> yeah, with the braces. I was just, I don't know. I just look different. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was really cool because I think he said like 50 years prior to you guys winning that championship, women's mm -hmm. sports didn't even exist uh, at Texas A&M or there wasn't a basketball team or something like that. Uh, yes. Um, yes. And and if there were, it was only, you know, like the three on three kind of set, mm -hmm. because like I said, my coach, Coach Blair, like he gets us prepared for everything. So he talks about a lot of history, a lot of everything. And yeah, he was yeah always talking about how far women's basketball and women's sports in general has, has come. Yeah. And then just the fact that you guys were role models for Barack's children. And I was just yeah. like, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah. I think that was, it made it even more special because yeah, he probably was paying more attention because he had, you know, younger daughters that could look up to us and we were hopefully, you know, setting a good example for where he can see, okay, look at these ladies, look where you could possibly be if you want, you know? So I think, yeah, that probably played a major role. In and that. then I had to laugh when your coach got up and he presented Barack with a jersey, um, which I thought it was funny because they gave Michelle a jersey and it had the number one on it <laughs> and then they gave Barack a jersey and I don't know if it was a 11 or a 12 12 yeah it's like our, our 12th man our mascot okay but yeah. it you know the the first lady she was number one <laughs> number one yeah for sure. oh yeah and even her presence there was amazing she was very personable she took time to talk to all of us like we had the opportunity to ask her questions and she was very patient yeah, both of them together. It was just great. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. So when your coach was presenting the jersey to him, um, and then I think Barack got back on the microphone and he said something like, Yeah, I see that uh Coach Blair, he throws out candy, like the beginning of games or whatnot. Do you think that would work for me? Like, could I throw out candy in the Senate? <laughs> would people <laughs> like me more? <laughs> it was oh, he is, but, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he did do that or if he tried it or not. Yeah, it was just yeah. a, funny, a funny image, you know, when he painted that picture, I was laughing, but um, very cool that you got to experience that. And um, I don't know, congratulations, you know, several years, you no, know, 10 years or what was it? 2011, did you say? 10 years have passed by? 10, yes, 10 years. Yeah. So it's been 10 years, but hey, I mean, no one's going to be able to ever take that experience away from you. You know, you're always going to have it. So, yeah. So then yeah, um, you. once your college career comes to an end, um, did you, were you aware of the possibilities of playing overseas? No, like I know about the WNBA, but overseas, I didn't, I did not know until the season was over. And then I was contacted by um, some agents or my coach told me about an agent. Mm -hmm. But other than that, yeah, no, I had no idea. Okay. Even with my, um, with past teammates, I didn't really know too much about it. And my brother, he did play overseas, but you know, the men's world and the women's world is different. So right. yeah, I didn't know too much about it. Um, so your first year you go to Israel Mm -hmm. and um, I I have never been to Israel I think that's a really interesting place for you to be able to go and spend almost a year of your life um quickly mm -hmm. what what surprised you what like impressed you what um maybe stereotypes that you had before you went that then when you were finally there you were like oh this isn't what I was thought it was going to be or this is better than I thought it was going to be yeah, it was 
it was awesome. Just the scenery and every like where we were located, my team, Galila Leon, was in the north. So it was away from the the center and the city life where everyone else was near Tel Aviv in the, in the capital. Mm -hmm. So it was beautiful. To me, it was beautiful. It kind of reminded me of home, my other home in Nigeria. So I kind of got attached to it. And the thing that surprised me the most were was the friendliness of everyone. Hmm. Even now I question myself, like, are people really this nice? Like my teammates, and everyone else were really, really nice and helpful to the point where I just, I wasn't used to anything like that. I don't know why, but they were just extremely nice and helpful. And I appreciated that a lot, but I questioned it, but I appreciated it. <laughs> and I, um, yeah, I thought they would be a stereotype I had with, I thought they would be more, I don't know if modest is the word mm. or more private, but no, they're like, they're open about almost everything. Hmm. Um, it's not like um, everyone follows one religion and it's, you know, keep to yourself, don't do certain things. It's it's as open as I, I would say the U.S. is to an extent, hmm. um, which is really nice. And you're able to connect with different people. But I would say it was very Americanized. It's a good start for um, rookies who are not sure about playing overseas just yet. Um, it's, it was a very Americanized culture um, to, in the capital with a mm -hmm. lot of Americans, a lot of things that American, Americans can relate to. So I think that could be helpful for rookies who want to start their career, but not be like dumped off in a culture that they won't be used to. Right. So, yeah. um, so then after that, you're in Israel, you come to Spain uh, mm -hmm. in Burgos, which yeah. they don't exist anymore in our Liga Femenina, but you started in Burgos. Um, and you've been in Spain for the past, what, are, is this your eighth? I think it's eighth, seventh or eighth. Uh-huh. But if I can have it, let's say, yeah, eighth. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what does Spain have that you have enjoyed so much that's it's kept you here for eight seasons? I think it's just more about me, like I'm comfortable here, or... It's not just about me, obviously. Spain has a has this culture of just being kind of relaxed. And it suits me well, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so where I, where I find comfort in, I tend to just to stay. Like, I don't always need to find something different. And I've enjoyed my time here. And I want to, you know, push it until I keep enjoying it. You know, I don't want to... Um, mess with that and I'm happy here so I think that's one of the main reasons why I stay I like the culture I like the pace of things the people the cities like I love the cities here so and traveling is something that I I learned that I loved um, since being here and you know I want to continue to take advantage of it right um, last week I interviewed an ex-teammate of yours um, Rousseau Buk and Ooh. and we talked a little bit about something that happened in 2016, five years ago, which you guys were current teammates at the time in Conquero. Um, yes. And now in just a couple of weeks, you will be back at La Copa de la Reina. Um, but what happened? What do, what do you remember about La Copa de la Reina from 2016? Ooh, I remember that I was in San Sebastian and... <laughs> I was on this team where we wore like Pepto-Bismol pink. <laughs> uh, it was just, I mean, the uniforms alone were enough for us to smile. So it was, it was great. No, and I had a great team. We had a great team where we just worked hard, played well, had fun. We were so close to the beach. And Russo, I mean, she was instrumental in our team dynamic and chemistry and just having fun, playing loose, being happy. Um, so everything about that group, uh, we just worked so hard where when we were on the court, it kind of, it showed. And I don't know, during the Copa, it was kind of play free, give our all. We know what we can do. Um, so let's just show it. But there was some drama before you guys went to the Queen's Cup. <laughs> Definitely some drama, definitely some drama, um, which 
Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish it could be avoided, but um, yeah, we weren't being paid. So we had to like make some tough decisions and kind of find a way to get the, the club to, to move, you know, and do something. So we had one player who thought of this document that we could sign to kind of, I don't know, force, I don't know exactly, but to force the club to, to pay us so that we'll play for the, the Copa. Mm -hmm. So the season was in jeopardy, actually. Yeah, the season was in jeopardy at that time. Um, I think I even sat out a game or two before. So they weren't sure, like, if we were really going to play, if we weren't. But, like, we all came together, asked them to present this document to them to say we won't play unless this happens. Um, so then they met our demands, so to speak. And then we went to the Copa kind of like, let's have fun, let's enjoy. And maybe this is our last game together. And for some of us, it was. Like I think half of the team left mm. or at least a strong core of our team left after we won. So it made it even more better, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Conquered, yeah. I definitely remember uh, just reading about it, seeing you guys play and then thinking, wow, they're not getting paid this team. And then all of a sudden they go to the Copa and they end up winning it against Avenida. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I was, right. it was, it was really impressive. Um, right. so Maybe it's, like a movie or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but you know, you ever since college, you have been accustomed to playing in big games and now you went to the Copa in Conquero and then every single year after that, I'm assuming you have been back to the Copa every single, every single year. Yes. Well, actually my first um, Copa was in, was when I was playing with Burgos. Ah. Yes. And at that time I had no idea, you know, the importance, the significance about the Copa, you know, I was just in the league playing, but I remember the day that we qualified my team was so ecstatic. Like we were jumping, dancing in the in the locker room. And, you know, I'm I'm joining them, but I'm not thinking what it was for. You know, I was thinking it was because we were going for a Christmas break. So, you know, yeah, I was happy. Um, but kind of think of it like it's a big deal. And for us to even be in that position, I think it was only the time when it was only four teams. Mm. And so wow. it was a big deal because we weren't, I don't think we were supposed to be there. Um, yeah, so ever since then, yeah, I knew, I started to know that, oh, it's very important. You know, the Copa is something that, you know, the teams strive for. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, and ever since then, yes, I've been, yeah, blessed enough to be represented with the, my team, yeah, every yeah. year. Um, and getting to the end uh, here of the interview, right now, oh. um, you <laughs> are playing, you're playing with Girona, and you guys play EuroLeague. And so for the Americans back home that maybe don't understand exactly what EuroLeague is, it's basically like the best teams in Europe. And there's, it's kind mm -hmm. of like, I don't know how you would explain it, like an NCAA of Europe and little by little teams get eliminated. And now you guys are, yes, yes. you're again in uh, the quarterfinals. Quarterfinals, yeah, which was history for this team, which I also didn't know. So then once I found out, it was like, what, really? Because... I mean, Girona, they've been doing well for, you know, for some time. But I guess to be in the quarterfinals for EuroLeague, it's, it was a big deal. And even the management, like, they were so pleased. Even before we qualified, they were just like, you know, we're so pleased with you guys' effort. But, um, you know, now we're even more pleased because we've made history for the club. And I think, uh, yes, it's a really big, a really big deal. And, you know, we're excited that we've been able to make it this far. Mm -hmm. And in the last bubble, EuroLeague bubble that you guys had a couple of weeks ago, you, I think, was it in Italy? Yes, in Schio, Schio, Italy. Yep. Mm -hmm. So you played Schio, which is like the best team in Italy. You played Ekaterinburgo, yes. um, UMMC, which is yes. another amazing team. And then you played yes. TT Riga. But yeah. um, for people that don't know, the Ekaterinburgo team from, they're from Russia, but they play EuroLeague. That kind of confuses me. Yes, they're from Russia. Um, what do you mean? Which well, part? I don't know. I just thought EuroLeague, like when I was reading the news article about it, it's like, oh, the, the, the best eight teams in Europe. And I'm like, well, Russia, 
they're they're included in europe they're not they're not yeah, they include, part of europe are they yeah russia and i believe turkey right uh yeah they're technically they're not like they go by their own rules so to speak but yeah they include them for the euro league right and yeah. for people for people that don't know who are some of the players that play for ekaterinburgo for this russian team where do i start um they have Brittany griner Mm-hmm. Ima Misaman, yep. Courtney Vandersloot, Ali Quigley, John Quill Jones. Um, well, those are the ones that play in the WNBA, and I might be missing one because they have some Brianna Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Brianna oh my goodness, Stewart. like the list goes on. Um, Alba Torrens. Yep, and a really good player from Russia. She's young. Yes. Uh, Maria Vadiva. Uh, yeah, Maria. Yeah, she also plays in WNBA for the um, the Sparks. Okay. Yeah, they have a great. I mean, not only names, but they play well together. Mm-hmm. So some teams can have you know like really powerful names and not really you know work well together, but they have both. So that's the great thing about their team. Mm-hmm. Um, they're big time players, but they play as a team. Yeah, and you guys. I mean, you guys played them really hard. Really. Yes really close yes we did we played some of our best basketball in skio yeah we competed very well with them um we went out there you know wanting to play hard um and win but we just yeah just didn't manage it but we did play pretty good basketball we were pleased with our game yeah i think the final score was 90 83 so that's a seven point yeah a lot of scoring yeah (laughs) Yeah. So you yeah. lost that game, but you did beat TT Riga and you did beat Skio. So then that allowed you to move on. You lost to Skio. Oh, you did? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be able to tell because maybe the way we were celebrating, but we beat Skio here in Girona when we hosted the first bubble, but we lost to them there. But we just needed to lose to them by less than five. Okay. And you lost by three. Yes, and one of the players had. She was so close to making that to her, her last shot, uh, and it just didn't fall. And woo, our celebration was just. <laughs> I mean, we were stressed. We were stressed up until then, but I mean, fortunately for us, woo, we got the yeah the point differential. So then, I think the next bubble is maybe around March sixteenth. Mm-hmm. And where is that yeah. going to take place? Um, right now, we think it'll be like a home and away. And we have Avenida. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Two, two Spanish teams in the Elite Eight of Europe. That is impressive. Yes, yes. I know. Ooh, it'll, be, it'll be exciting, hopefully. Yeah, very. And it's, yeah. So, it's so sad because um, they're not going to let fans into the game, I'm assuming. Yeah, no. At least for now, no. Yeah. I think the only place that really has fans or have had fans, Turkey. But as far as the bubbles, no fans. Hmm. Which here in Madrid, they're still letting fans into our games. Oh, really? How not? Oh. Hmm. Yeah. We played. It's the same region, though, isn't it? I mean, it's Madrid. I don't know. It's different, I guess, than all the other. The decision making is just different. But we played on yeah the other day, Sunday, I think, against Guernica, and um, they let people into the game. I mean, obviously, it's like a limited number, but still. Yeah, people are there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, so maybe. Yeah, it depends on the region. Yeah, because but Catalonia, they're pretty strict. Yeah, pretty I think strict. we're the only. I think we're the only team right now that's letting fans into the games. So how is that? I mean, it's great. It's, it's wonderful, you know, because you, you feel like you're in a game environment. Um, right. And after the game, you clap and you look at everybody and you wave and you put your mask on and you, you know, you walk over to the fans and you at least say hi, you know, everybody with their masks on, of course, but you can take a couple pictures and, um, you know, it's nice. Yes, that is nice. Yeah, we have to imagine that. Like after our games, when we clap, I mean, we have our management there, but we right. always have to find a camera so we can wave to our fans <laughs> and our family that's watching. Like, we, if you'll notice, like we always like try to find a camera to wave. Yeah, but that's nice. Yeah, I wish. I mean, hopefully, 
if they see fit that, you know, they'll start allowing more fans in our games, in our region. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. We are coming to the end. Do you, if, do you have any advice for any um, younger athletes who are thinking about playing overseas as far as what they need to do to try to prolong their career and um, what kind of mentality they should have when going overseas? Because it's going to be a lot different than their university experience. Yes. yes, I think they should definitely have an open mentality. But one thing that I stress to people who ask me is ask a lot of questions from someone that you know that has played overseas, even your college coaches, ask them who they can be in contact with. Um, I know my coach gives out my number or email to players who are looking forward to going overseas so they can ask me as many questions that they want. Um, so if they can find someone that can help them and be open with them to what they can expect mm -hmm. in a certain mentality they can have, I think that is something that is very important because each country is different, each person is different. So what they see and what they need will be different, but they can at least you know, share their experience and maybe recommend someone else that can help um, help the person as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I would I would advise. Um, the questions, questions are really the most important. You can't really learn much without, you yeah. know, asking questions. What about during the summers? Because we have, well, you play with the Nigerian national team. So you yes. get some, some ball during the summer, maybe that the, a person that doesn't play on their national team, but, um, for a lot of people, that's, that's a lot of months off. You're not in college mm -hmm. anymore when somebody's telling you, right. what you do, how many reps, this and that, yeah. um, you really have to be disciplined to continue performing each year and being a professional. Very much so. Um, hiring a trainer is also an option. If if not, um, a lot of colleges still support, you know, their players and allow them to come work out with them. Mm -hmm. um, I had my brother um, who I followed, you know, when I was done. So I would go to workouts with him as well as open gyms. But I also made use of the resources of my college. Mm -hmm. um, and there was another college in closer to me in Houston that allowed me to go there and train and work out. But like you said, it takes discipline. It's really you being disciplined and um, perfecting your craft and staying in shape. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you find other people who are like you, then, you know, hanging out with them would help as well. But yes, yeah, a lot of it is going to be yourself because when you're overseas, a lot of times you have to depend on yourself and your own motivation. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can't let you go without asking you about your Nigerian national team. Are you yes. guys officially in the Olympics or are you still? Yes, you are. We are. We qualified. Yes. Wow. We have. So but we just have to make it there. You know, we just have to make it there. We're so, <laughs> we're so excited, but at the same time, we're so stressed. You don't know how many messages I get with my teammates sending me articles like, is this true? Like I heard the Olympics isn't happening. The prime minister said this, the president said this, Japan is saying this. So we're excited, but we're like, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, this whole season, this whole year, last year has been of the unknown. But so far, yes, we have qualified. Okay. We have qualified. And that qualifying uh, game took place in Africa. Am I right? Uh, no, so it was different this year. So we had the Afro basket, which is normally what directly qualifies you. But this year they did the top three that the top three places um, for the Afro basket has to compete in another qualifiers past that one and then compete in another qualifiers with uh, the rest of the world. Okay. So last February we competed in Serbia. That's where we officially qualified. Okay. We played against Serbia, the USA and Mozambique. Okay. So well, all of us qualified except for Mozambique. So it must have been the Afro basket that T was telling me about. She had never played in a game with so many people. Um, yes, that was incredible. Yes. In yeah. Senegal, it was 23 or 22,000 people in the stadium that they have, which they have an incredible stadium. And it was more people. Okay, not more people, but it was at least two or 3,000 people outside of the stadium that could not get in the environment the um, it was incredible I, I could try to find you a photo of it was they did a great job mm. a great job those jam-packed energy was whew, intense i don't know how we made it out of there but it was nice it was awesome 
it yeah. was awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and all right, a couple rapid fire questions. What number do you wear and why? In Girona, I wear number two, I, just because I like it. <laughs> okay. Um, what's your go-to bread and butter move, would you say? Ooh, um, I would say like, I don't know, should I tell you this? <laughs> well, I mean, we scout you, so I'm pro I probably already know it. Let's see. It's like dribble, middle, a little Akeem Olajuwon shake and finish whichever way I feel more comfortable, probably over the left shoulder. Yep. Um, yeah, very good option. <laughs> Um, when you play overseas, is there anything that you bring with you in your suitcase that you know you're not going to be able to find in in Spain? <laughs> yes, yeah, it's just a food called abacha. It's a Nigerian food. It's made of like dry cassava leaves. Okay. Uh, I guess I could make it, but it's better where I bring it from. Do you use it as a spice or do you use it as like a wrap? as a it's a food so it's kind of we call it like the african spaghetti okay yeah so it's a dish interesting i did read on your texas a&m profile that you like uh cooking nigerian food yes i love it it, it just makes me feel there i guess so what's like a typical nigerian dish or how does it uh, differ from um there's one food called eba or fufu Okay. You eat it with your hands. It's a white. Have you seen it before? Well, I lived one year with um, Chanel Makongo mm -hmm. from the Congo. And yes. I want to say you're talking about the same thing. She would use it as like, as if it were a fork or something, and she would pick up other food Dip with it. it. Yes. Similar to this. Yes. Different countries and have to have like their own uh, type, but yes, that that's very typical. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fried very, plantain. I don't know if you know that. Plantain? Plantain fried. Mm -hmm. For me, I can't live without that. And I'm so happy that we have some good options out here in Girona. But yeah, I love that one as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I um I was studying one summer session in Venezuela and they had a lot of plantains. Um yeah. and I had never had them before, but it's like this sweet, you know, banana that they fry. And I yeah. thought wonderful yeah yeah that you can either have it sweet or more salado like salty i prefer the the salty kind but yeah, yeah. In south america i think they like it sweet sometimes they dip it in like a syrup so. so when you eat it salty is that because you put salt on it or is it a different kind of i don't put salt on it anymore but it's like it depends on the ripeness of the plantain okay. yeah so if it's not as ripe it's probably more not as salty or not as sweet. Yeah. Not as, yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that I think about wraps it up. So we've already been on for almost an hour. Thank you so much okay. for your time. No I enjoyed uh, learning about your story and I'm just so impressed with you being another season in the books and being able to juggle, you know, continuing your studies and being a professional athlete because it's not easy. So I give you a high five from Madrid. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for reaching out. I, I enjoyed this. Thanks. Well, you're welcome. This was unexpected because, you know, I was thinking of doing something else and now we did this. So <laughs> sorry about that. My lack of confidence in my Spanish, which no. I mean, my friends are probably annoyed. Like you can, you can do it, but <laughs> no worries. I think in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, good luck in your next game. I think you guys have Campus Promete. Actually, we played to, yeah, I think we probably had them this Sunday, but we played today against Canarias, oh. our like rescheduled game. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, good luck. Thank you. Canarias. Well, thanks. <laughs> yes, thanks. I'm going to need the energy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we will hopefully see each other masked up and from a distance in La Copa in a couple yes. of weeks. In La Copa. Yes. Yes. That is true. All right. Take care. You too. Thank you. All right, that wraps up another week here on the pod. And as luck would have it, the Queen's Cup lottery took place this past week. And who will Adora be playing against in the first game of the Queen's Cup? Well, her new friend, me. <laughs> 
Yes, if all goes according to plan, my team, Movistar Estudiantes, will be taking on the league leaders in Unigirona in less than two weeks from now in Valencia. And when I say if all goes to plan, I'm referring to none other but the Rona. Every player and member of the coaching staff of each team will need to pass their PCR tests in order to be eligible to play. If one person tests positive, the whole team will be sent home. There are a total of eight teams participating, so hopefully we'll all be able to enjoy a weekend at La Copa and some friendly competition, and may the best team win. But with this virus, you just never know. Currently, I'm actually in quarantine because I tested positive this past Wednesday. I am doing all right and my symptoms are pretty light, but I'll hopefully test negative in a week's time and be able to join my team at the cup. On another note, um, how awesome was AD? I shouldn't be surprised to find out she is as calm of a person off the floor as she is on the floor, but her silent confidence did not go unnoticed. She is consistent and persistent in her athletic and academic life. By the time she hangs up her sneakers, she could be Dr. Elenu or at least on the verge of becoming so. A great example of what this podcast is all about, being a student on and off the floor. It's evident, however, that AD organizes her time and takes full advantage of potential study sessions, whether she's on a plane, train, or bus. Can I get a round of applause, please, for the future doctor and Olympian athlete? All right, everyone, please enjoy the rest of your day, wherever that may be. And if you enjoyed today's podcast episode, let it be known. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or spread the love and share this podcast with a friend, family member, neighbor, or random person on the street. These athletes have fabulous stories to tell, and they are worth a listen. And to all of 80's family and friends in Texas, I hope you're safe, healthy, warm, and doing as well as possible in this unexpected time. The curveballs our world is throwing at us are absolutely brutal, just coming out of nowhere. So my, my thoughts are with all of you guys, and I just encourage you to stay strong and stay together. I'm Leslie Knight, your host on this wonderful podcast, Another Season in the Books, wishing you all a safe and healthy week. Take care, everyone, y hasta luego.